Hi there. Taylor here. Does anyone remember Face from Nick Jr. like back in the 90s? Anyone? Burr, burr, burr. Man, guys, I miss that guy. Like, if you don't remember him, you need to go look him up right now. If you do remember him, then you know what? You need to go look him up again because it's just going to make your heart happy. Like, it made my heart happy for sure. By the way, Tristan, please elucidate on your thoughts of Blue's Clues and how they are the same. Because, guys, for the record, here's the thing. I am David Bowie and Queen, and oh I God, am under pressure. Stupid. It's not a stupid reference. Okay. And Tristan is Vanilla Ice with Ice Ice Baby because she believes that Blue's Clues and Face make the same noise. They do. They don't. Dude, okay. Like, just to, like, give background. I didn't read the script of this story, so I have no idea what's going on. But I read the intro Taylor wrote down, and I was like, what are we talking about? What is this? So she made me look it up, and I was like, oh, Blue's Clues makes that sound. No. Like, that's, she, that's her sound. That's her noise. No. And then I looked up a video, and literally two seconds into the video, she goes, burp, burp, burp. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's literally the same noise. No. She makes the same noise. Blue goes, burp, burp. and then Face goes, burp, burp, burp. No, no. Totally no, no, different. No. But that was her just saying one like phrase. She could say multiple phrases. She could go, burp, burp, burp. like she could. She could. She, and she did. Burp, I bet burp, she did. Burp, 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 burp. Yeah. She, what are you talking about? That's literally her like catchphrase. Oh my I god. Know. Oh my god. See. No, face is fake because blue. Face is fake. He was there before blue. You know who the real criminal in this whole thing is? <laughs> Nick Jr. Because they Nick Jr. They reused they the did. sound. They reused the sound, and they yeah. caused rifts in families ever since. Yeah. Was well, okay, moving on. We have a second thing about Nickelodeon because uh, did anybody see the news that iCarly is getting a reboot? Like, <laughs> it is. I think I, we should I, discuss this. I did see the news, and I just would love to know that Miranda Cosgrove literally looks the exact same. Oh, my gosh, yeah. She looks – it's kind of creepy. Like, she <laughs> still looks like a 13-year-old girl, but as, like, a 30-year-old woman. Yeah. And everyone else looks, like, super old, but her. I she, know. And you know what kind of cre- – she kind of gives me the vibes of, like, you know that orphan movie? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, Miranda Cosgrove, but <laughs> true. Yeah, like it creeps True. me out that she can looks like she looks like she's a child, but she's like a grown woman. It, yeah, it freaks me out. Honestly. Well, the girls have like super been obsessed with it lately, so we've honestly watched all of the seasons multiple times now. And I was thinking about it more, and I was like, honestly, like that's us. Like, no, yeah, like if if you had had a TV show, like I would be Spencer, and you would have been no. iCarly. You don't think so? Her name's Carly, not iCarly, first Okay, time. you would have been Carly. iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been Carly, and I would have been Spencer if I wasn't, if I wasn't, like, married and having kids when you lived with us. Like, that would have been our situation. Like, no. Okay, whatever. I see some connection. A one slight, thin piece of thread connection. You know, okay. One little string. One little string. Not a real good connection, <laughs> but, but... But it's there. Okay. I see why you say that. But. Okay. Well, anyways, way too much distraction again. Hi, welcome to another episode of Crooked Crime Sisters. I'm your host, Taylor, and this is Tristan. Hey. And we are sisters from the Pacific Northwest. Every single Thursday, we are here to give you the details of a crime that you may already know, and we discuss our thoughts and opinions. Like you, we are completely obsessed with true crime, but not in a morbid way. And we too realize that many criminals find the Pacific Northwest is the perfect place to make their twisted fantasies a reality. Guys, we are not professionals, like at all, by any means, but rather we are true crime enthusiasts who like to talk. So with that, give us our disclaimer. Hello, viewers, please be advised. Today's case covers kidnapping, sexual assault, murder and just crazy things so it's a crime it is a it is a crooked crime so just be ready all right guys game on this week we are bringing you a case that once started as a missing persons case that took years to solve but thankfully there was resolution in the end and you know what i feel like it's always like a bummer like yeah, it got resolved, but for the family, like, this isn't a happy ending. But at least, like, they were able to, like, find closure. But the amount of time it took to get that closure just sucks. I, I honestly, like, I've never been in a situation like this. Like, I've never had a personal close person 
go through something like this, get murdered or whatever. Yeah. But I, I can see both sides of it. I could see both sides of like not wanting to know what happened, wanting to know like, yeah. you know, it's a mystery. I don't want to know the truth. I'm going to paint a picture in my head of this is what happens and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I do understand the other side of like wanting closure and wanting to know like this is what happened. And like needing it. See, like I feel like I'm the type of person to be like, I don't want to know. It's a mystery in my head that will just live in the back of my head forever because knowing I feel like would like kill me even more. Yeah. So I see two sides, like, no matter what, it's not a happy ending, though. Yeah, it really isn't. So I will admit that while doing this research, like, I had a lot of things I didn't like. So first of all, we originally had this case, like, based on the victim, because in doing research for cases, like, guys, we have, like, a huge list of cases. So I was like, ooh, this one sounds interesting. I want to go research this. But as I got into the case, I realized this was for sure, like, she had something to do with this, but this was way more about the criminal and his history than anyone else. And also, I was, like, super annoyed because I wanted to cover this case. But at the same time, I was like, ugh, this is just, like, a really cut and dry one. So, like, we wouldn't have enough content. At least that's what I thought. I didn't think we were going to have enough content to cover an entire episode. And now that I've done all the research, like, it's a long one. So. I was about to say, the little, like, pieces I know about it. It's, yeah. And it's 12 pages long. I was going to say, I was just, I was super <laughs> wrong. So, Yeah. Also, I want to state that I was kind of confused because when I was doing the research for the case, I know I noticed that almost every single article talked about how this was the most covered story in Oregon ever. Like, I don't know if that is up to date, but I think it is. And that's the thing. I was like, um, okay, May in 2004, like that's I was in eighth grade. But um, I remember Ward Weaver. I remember Christian Longo. Like, I remember things happening. I don't remember this at all. And I was old enough to have remembered it. Well, I was the ripe age of, like, four. Uh, so I don't recall. Yeah. But, um, which, honestly, it's crazy because I don't remember any cases. Like, I feel like recently in Oregon, like, a bunch of, like, no cases have, like, these all Oregon cases are, like, really far back. Like, the big crazy ones. Yeah. I don't, I can't remember anyone that would be recent enough that I would remember it Like, happening. a high-profile thing happening. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the one that I would think that was when you were, like, in high school would have been, like, the Umpqua shooting that happened. I remember that. Okay. Other than that, like, I don't, I don't know. The college or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God, that. I remember that because I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I remember swimming across the river trying to, like, get out. Ah! Yeah. That's crazy. But, yeah, carry on. I just, I don't know this case. (laughs) So, today I want to do things just a little bit differently. I want to start with the single crime, and then we're going to kind of have to, like, jump around in time. But before we even get to the crime line, I am going to share with you some of the things that happened in 2004 because... Guys, it's just fun, first of all, to just know, remember things that were going on. But anyways, okay. So I think it's weird when I look up things because this was kind of funny. The most notable thing that happened in 2004 was like NASA was doing a bunch of stuff. And apparently we were all super, super concerned about what's happening on Mars, which I don't know. I am a nerd for sure, but I'm not like a space nerd. So the things that I was reading, I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Wait, I don't know what that is. What do is. you mean? Like, is it like alien stuff on Mars? Because no. I'm into that. No, no, no. It was like, they, they sent this out to Mars. They sent that out to Mars. They're going to put this out on Mars. And I was like, I don't know any of these names. I don't know what they're doing. It so wasn't the rover? I think it was the rover. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The rover? I He's still out there. He's chilling. So pop culture wise. Right? come back? I like I more of pop culture stuff. I know you like pop culture. So we lost Mr. Reagan. That's um, pop culture. Ronald Reagan? Yeah, he was a TV star before he was president. Eh, not yeah, he was a president. But anyways, Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France for the sixth time. Is this pre-testicle removal in scandal? <laughs> yes, it definitely was. <laughs> I never really thought, like, for some reason, I just always assume Lance Armstrong's, like, testicle fell off or something i, guess, I didn't realize like, that i guess they had to remove it, it didn't yeah like fall off. it's not funny like that he got sick but then it's like because he had that whole thing like it because it was like steroids right yeah it unleashed a scandal so i always just assumed like the steroids just like it dies and withers off or but that's like the one memory i have of like aunt tina and uncle justin yeah they watching watched the, the it of france with them all yeah the time. Like, i remember they were obsessed they with it watched it yeah i remember yeah. watching it even like when i was a kid yeah 
So also, uh, we reelected Bush as president, and Ken Jennings uh, finally lost his incredible winning streak on Jeopardy, which y'all, I watch Jeopardy every day. I record it. Dude, we are actual Jeopardy stands. Yes. Tanner calls me a 60-year-old lady because <laughs> I watch Jeopardy and I love Antique Roadshow. Those are my two favorites. <laughs> Good times. So. Sadly, Ray Charles passed away. We lost Marlon Brando, Julia Child. So basically, like, some celebrities died, but nothing, like, super crazy happened. And it was kind of boring in the U.S., if you ask me. Uh, What about Scott Peterson? That's the year he was convicted. Okay. That's a big – that was a big thing going on. Do you think he did it? I do. I totally think he do. He did. I do. I think that we're going to have to (sighs) – We'll have to cover we'll it, have not, to cover not it on somehow. Crooked Crime Sisters, but when we do the other thing, we have to cover it because there's other things, other theories that I, I kind of like, I think he did it, but there's other ones that are like right there at second place. That could yeah, be. the like cult one. Yep, exactly. The that's cult the one, one that's okay. like literally right there. I believe yeah. that happened too. And okay. So it was together. Just a little <laughs> thing. To, this kind of like goes along with the case today. So I, I will obviously share with you who the criminal was, but there was another person who fell in every single category for everything, and he wasn't the one who did it. So, Scott, if it was the cult, I'm sorry. You were just wrong place, wrong time, wrong everything. And maybe you're innocent. I don't know. But anyways, um, yeah. And, okay, wait. Same-sex marriage happened first time in Massachusetts. Massachusetts? I can't. I hate that <laughs> word. That's a bad word. Massachusetts. <laughs> What's a bad word? I don't like it. Who, cha- who picked okay. that? Anyway. Okay. And, uh... <laughs> JT ripped off Janet's pasty. Oh, yes. And he was talking about that this year. It was a scandal. Oh, I also forgot uh, The Passion of the Christ came out that year, which hands down, that's a great movie. Whether you like Jesus or you don't, it is a really good movie. And I actually watch it every year on Good Friday. Are you serious? I seriously do. It's become like a tradition. I even let the girls watch it last year. Since when? When has this tradition started? Um, since I moved to Texas. So oh, okay. I was like, ago. I wasn't in my household. <laughs> so like three years ago. Yeah. Um, and also we just figured out that the face dude died in 2000. He didn't die. Gosh. <laughs> well, Blue took over because Blue obviously is still around. She's the, she ain't the OG, but she's still around. The That's yeah. her. Okay. Whatever. She lost it. You're right. You're anyway. right. <laughs> okay. So anyways, that was the United States in the year 2004. So this crime actually took place in Corvallis, Oregon, which of course is a college town. That's where Oregon State University is. And my cousin actually went there. Didn't your brother go there? I honestly don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Either way, it's a college town for sure. And it's known as like being a basic college town. Like one of my sister's best friends, she's there. My brother's girlfriend goes there. So like it's, it's super popular for kids to like go when they graduate, go there. Oh, yeah. Um, there's lots of apartments, college kids all over the place, probably like a pretty busy area. If you ask me, honestly, I actually reached out to my cousin and when she worked there or she lived there, she worked at this hot dog shop that was open till like three in the morning, which I'm bringing that up just to say like this small city, like never sleeps. So sus stuff is like going on all the time because the hot dog shop is open till three. I'm just saying like. It's one of those places, yeah, where it's not like a small town where like, oh, you drive through the town at 9 p.m. and everything's closed. I'm just saying. It's a college town. Yeah, I'm real. saying it's a college town. So like things are open. All the bars don't check ID. Like, yeah, exactly. A bunch of college so I'm just kids. setting the stage for people who don't know, don't know Corvallis, which if you are uh, local to this area, like, you know, like that's the party place, right? Yeah, or Eugene went too. Yeah, which I didn't have friends in high school, but a lot of like the people I went to high school with did go party there. In Corvallis, yeah. Yeah. So that again, for the third time, the year is 2004, and it's actually May, and this is, um, and it's the 24th. Now, I'm not trying to throw us off or anything, but can we just pause for a second and recognize that this is another crime that took place in May. And is there just, like, a correlation? I don't know. But somehow, I feel like all of our cases have, like, some small degree of separation. I don't know. Wait, what case took place in May? Uh, Diane Downs. (laughs) Kip Kinkle. 
Just saying. It's almost May. It's May. And it's honestly, gonna be May. it's going to be That's like May for me is like the worst month. Like all of the worst <laughs> things in my life happen in May. I'm not even kidding. Like I hate May. Anyways, oh. moving on. So it's May. I'm sure it's a sunny day. It's probably warmish. And there is a young 19-year-old girl who is home from college. On this day at this time, she is at the Oak Creek apartment complex. She's blonde, she's beautiful, and she's working for her sister who actually managed the apartments and like she's staying at the apartments with her sister. She's there washing lampposts when suddenly she disappears and all that is left is a bucket of water and her white flip-flops. Um, so she's washing a lamppost. Like, I didn't know people do that. Is that a job? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that that was a thing either, but apparently in this apartment complex, they wash the water. Like power wash it? Like, I guess that makes sense. Or like, no, she's like literally she had hand. like soap and bucket and she was just like. Like, okay, wait. So how tall is this lady? She's on a ladder? <laughs> like, it's not like she can I don't reach know. Okay, okay. The I top. Lampposts are tall. She went missing, madam. So I don't have the details of what she was doing because, listen up. Her name uh. is Brooke Wilberger. She is an Oregon native. She grew up in Veneta. Now, I've never heard of this place, but I guess it's just outside Corvallis, and it is a small town. Brooke and her family come from the LDS church, and she was home after attending her freshman year at BYU. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's Brigham Young University in Utah, and it's primarily like an LDS school that's like super well-known. Okay, so she goes to school in Utah, but she lives in Corvallis. She No. what she goes to school in utah her sister lives in corvallis she's staying with her sister for the summer which is why she's working her sister manages the apartment complex she's staying with her sister so get that okay Okay. you you totally should have like said that like it's home from college it's home from college yeah but you you make it seem like she lives in like the corvallis her sister lives in corvallis okay where is her home in veneta which is outside of corvallis Okay, well then you could have just said okay. you could have said home okay. from college. I did say home <laughs> from college. Anyway, oh my gosh, I, I think I understand. Yes. Now. So it said that Brooke is about five four and she only weighs a hundred pounds. So I'm just saying, like, dang, this girl must be tiny. And you wanted to know how tall the lampposts are. I don't know, but she's five four. She's five four, so she could not reach the top of the lamppost. She definitely couldn't. Is this a joke? And th- th- no, is this a prank on her to get to the lamppost? That's mean. And I don't know because I they never say anything about a a, a ladder, but that part is just already sus to me in this whole case. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> this girl again. She's very small. She's not super short, but she basically weighs nothing. She's beautiful, she's like average. And the last is a hundred pounds. No height. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, Five four and a hundred pounds, like that's, that's so tiny. Average. That is not no, average. but height is like that's the average. Like woman's heights, like the average height, I think, is like five, five two. two. Yeah, so she's a little bit taller, but she's like she's not tall. Yeah, if I she, saw her, I'd be like, you're not tall, and she weighs nothing. She's shorter than us. Anyways, again, this girl is very very small. She's not super short, but she basically weighs nothing. So this is the last description of what she was wearing, given by police, in this statement. And Tristan, why don't you read it for us? And I quote, Brooke, an honor student, athlete, a devout Mormon, and an integral part of her church community, was last seen wearing a hooded sweatshirt, a gray Brigham Young t-shirt, dark blue jeans, and small hoop earrings. Maybe a silver watch in a ring with CTR engraved on it. Choose the right. A Mormon tradition. She was 5'4 and weighed 105 pounds. She had a scar from a gymnastic an accident that extended from her wrist to her elbow on her right forearm, end quote. So the police were called after her sister, um, who left around nine to take her own kids to preschool. Um, When she left, Brooke was there and was cleaning. And then when she returned, there was nothing but the bucket. Now, when the authorities arrived, again, as I said, they found her flip-flops, making them assume that there was some sort of struggle. Because she also left behind her purse, her keys, her other personal belongings. They were all inside her sister's apartment and in her car that was still in the parking lot. So she totally just, like, disappeared. Yeah, she Left the bucket and everything. Yeah. Hmm. So that's the thing, like, I was trying... It said that the husband is the one who called at, like, three. Whose husband? Um, The sister's husband. Oh, okay. It's the one who called the police at around, like, three. So I don't know how long it was before, like... Yeah when her sister actually came back. So it said she left around nine, but I don't know what time she got back, whether it was later in the afternoon or like whatever. But 
because of the fact that she was 19, initially there was the rule that because she's over the age that the police are supposed to wait a certain amount of time before they can officially declare her missing. But because of the community that Brooke lived in slash grew up in, the church for sure rallied around the family and the police acted immediately. Okay, I totally heard that rule was fake. I thought that was a fake rule. Okay, so I was doing some research on that last night because I thought it was fake too, but it was talking about how um, Maura Murray actually went mm-hmm. missing like six months before Brooke did. Yeah. And so they had already been through it and they had, the police waited for her mm-hmm. because she was over the age of 19. I think Maura was like in her 20s, like her early 20s. Was that the one like she like went missing like running or something? No, she's the one that went missing in a car accident. Had a car accident, like they found her car. I and, love that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it was a big story too. But um, I feel like it's kind of like an unwritten rule because when it has to do with adults, I think that the police don't want to use the funds to like start a search. Yeah. If this person is old enough to just go off the grid if they want to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? And like, so I think with Brooke, like they really pushed hard, like she wouldn't disappear. This is totally abnormal. You have to start doing this now. And I personally think that because her church was so adamant and Mm -hmm. they jumped in, that's why the police were kind of like, okay, we should take this seriously. Like, cause it wasn't like, mess Oh, with the church. yeah. It wasn't like, Oh, we just have mom and dad here who are concerned. It was like, no, they had an entire church community. That's like, Hey, this is not okay. Something's wrong. So they I'm were gonna, right. Yeah. And they were right. So Brooke straight up disappears, right? No one knows where she went, why she left so fast. And of course an investigation ensues along with a large search party party for her. Now, we already know she was technically from outside the area. She was a strong member of her church, and it was also said that she had a boyfriend. So, of course, the cops need to know all that they can about this girl to figure out where on earth she went. So they just think at this point they don't think something bad happened to her. They think she just went away. Or does the church are saying, like, no, something bad happened to her? Yeah, I think the church and her family were like, hey, something happened. Like, her shoes are right here. She wouldn't just, like, walk away barefoot. I got her shoes really that's a good point. Yeah, like her white flip-flops or whatever. So hmm. Brooke came from a small town. She was a devout church member from a solid family. Um, it said she had three sisters and two brothers, so she came from a pretty big family. Now, when I tried to Not get surprised. more information <laughs> about, like, the family, there's, like, nothing other than, oh, she had siblings and her parents were married. But there's nothing that really gives, like, the backstory other than they described her as bubbly and scrappy, which I feel like those are, like, two different things. Yeah, that's a really weird description, but I... But, you know, since I'm good at assuming things and I know a handful of people who are part of the LDS church, I know that they are usually, like, extremely close families who are pretty private. So it kind of makes sense that there's really not a lot of information out there. Yeah. So her father worked at a chemical company and her mom was a teacher in the Bethel school district and i didn't care to look up where that's at but if you want to go for it it really doesn't do anything to the case yeah so roundabout way to say there's nothing suspicious about her family no reason to even look at them as suspects like like i said like none of them were around when it happened and it was also noted that brooke did have a boyfriend and they were planning on like getting married when he got back but he was actually out of the country on a mission so that like ruled him out like he was in venezuela (laughs) That's, like, honestly so crazy to think that, like, your significant other just, like, goes missing. That's well, crazy. It was ah. sad. I did read something because they interviewed him, and he said that, like, his parents called him and just started crying. So then he started crying because he didn't know what happened. Oh. Yeah. And then, like, oh, hey, Brooke is gone. Like, couldn't say, like, what happened, just that she's gone. I know. That's, like, the worst news to give out, too, because it's, like, the person receiving the news is like, what's the details? Like, okay, yeah. where'd she go? What when, happened? When what did it happen? And yeah, and they have like anything. nothing. Like, oh, yeah. that's awful. So by the following day that she went missing, they had a press conference in which they say that they're pretty sure the young woman was abducted. By the following day, so like two days after, the case had already achieved like national media. Okay, so that's like, seems really fast. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Especially like within a day or two. for quote unquote small town Corvallis, you know. Yeah. So for the media to get a hold of the case, like there was a website, they had a 1-800 number for tips, they distributed thousands of flyers with the family and the boyfriend. Oh, sorry. They distributed thousands of flyers. So with the family and the boyfriend cleared, it was time to get on it and look into locals to see if they had any criminals in the area that would like fit the profile slash were suspicious. 
Okay, so like, does did no one see this happen? There's no witnesses or anything? Yes. There was actually one man. His name was Brian, and he called the police saying, okay, I saw this green man, green van <laughs> driving erratically, but before he could explain anything further, the call was actually disconnected, and he never called back. So it was a tiny bit of information, but it was possible that it was something. Okay, so this is, like, 2004. There's no, like, redialing. They can't track the number if the police can't, like, call back. I mean, I feel like they could have. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But that, that really sucks that the call just dropped. And Brian, wherever you're at, why didn't you call back? Yeah, right? <laughs> and so I'm assuming, that, did the police just think it was, like, a fake tip? I mean, possibly. They really could have. Possibly. It's, I mean, Because people to totally say? do that. They totally call the police and just, like, you know, say random things. Like, oh, I saw this guy. He was a... Uh, he rode a bike and he he was uh, holding an ice cream cone and uh, yeah, and then they just hang out. Like, and he looks suspicious. He stole yeah. it. Like, yeah. Something crazy like that. You know what I mean? So like, oh, that's so annoying. So in the end, not to like go in the end, but like, was that an actual like valid tip? So that's the thing. It was a valid tip, but, but the police didn't really take it seriously. So like they heard it, kind of put it on the back lap. Oh, green van. That's it. Moved on. Yeah. So, okay, Hmm. so the family made sure that they got the word out about Brooke. She was on bulletin boards on the freeway. Her photo showed up everywhere. Uh, Public service announcements were on TV. Every gas station, cafe, convenience stores, they all had flyers in their windows. They held vigils at her church, plus they also held vigils down at BYU for her. They had press conferences. They went on America's Most Wanted. Brooke's parents went on Good Morning America. And, like, local real estate agents and property manage managers were searching vacant proper, properties and, like, outbuildings. They also held self-defense classes for women. And because at 19, Brooke was too old for Amber Alert, um, like, she couldn't be featured on that. But several high-profile cl- cases recently, they have shown us that, like, the more pressure you put on the media, like, it, puts, it keeps it alive. So yeah. everybody who loved Brooke was out there putting the pressure on, like, they were making sure, hey, this was Brooke still, is, Brooke in is people's still minds. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, didn't you send me a picture of like one of the billboards and it was posted off of like I 5 in Salem? Yeah. And it actually like really bothered me because I know exactly where this billboard <laughs> is. I know specifically, like, obviously Brooke's not on there anymore, but like yeah. I know where this billboard is and it's right in front of the iconic stars. So, if you know, then you know. And if you don't know, this is the local strip club. Which I thought was just super disrespectful. But then you brought up like a super valid point. Yeah. So I actually think that is super smart. So I-5 is notorious for sex trafficking. Um, And it's a strip club. So for normal people like you, they'd have the same reaction. Like, oh my God, why did they put this missing girl right next to a strip club? Like, that's so awful. But if you think about it, like bad press, like no matter what, it's still good press. You still have in mind like, oh, this girl's missing yeah, billboard is on a strip club. Crazy. And then other way around, for people who sex traffic, it would be like a way to get their attention and either A, not sell her. Yeah. Slash B, not buy her because she's like so high profile and everyone's looking for her. So like. Exactly. If you're like run into this chick and you're like, oh, you're like that missing girl that everyone's looking for. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, I know your face because it wasn't like you couldn't know her face. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. I feel like they probably, like, I don't know what – I don't know anything about it, but, like, I could see that, like, sex traffickers probably, like, keep, you know, tabs on that and be like, oh, yeah, this girl, don't buy her. She's way yeah. too pro- high profile. Like, you're, yeah. if you get caught with her, like, you're done. Yeah. Exactly. So, I don't know. I thought it was smart. Yeah. No, it totally is. And it was said that there were over a 1,000 tips given to the police, and almost half of which came from our <laughs> – our favorite friends, the psychics, who they all said, like, she had been sold into slavery. So were they right? No, of course not. <laughs> Dang psychics. <laughs> yeah. Also, they had held a huge search party in which they covered over 4,000 acres of land. They searched the woodlands, the wetlands, and the mountains. But unfortunately, they came up with nothing. Because like we say in our intro, the Pacific Northwest is vast. There's lots of space where criminals like to dump bodies in hopes that they won't get caught. And guess what? Some of them don't get caught. I know. Totally on a side note, I would like to make the note that when I was doing research on criminals who are, like, currently on death row, because I think, 
the last few episodes I've done, there have been people on death row. Yeah. And I found that, like, a majority of them dump their bodies on, like, old logging roads, which is, like, so creepy. I don't yeah. I like that. Because I do, like, you know, go into out in the woods to go, like, shooting or, like, whatever, camping. And, like, just to think, like, who knows, a mile away, there could be just a dead body laying on the side of the road. Body. Yeah, yeah exactly. easy. So eventually they have to call off a search because they really weren't getting anywhere. And that's when the cops decided they were going to focus in on four suspects. Okay, so what about the green van? Does one of them own a green van? No. So sadly, in the process of looking into the suspects, the, the green van just gets like completely overlooked, which obviously it shouldn't have. So again, put the green van in your pocket because you need to save it for later. Brian, I, I mm. still disappointed with you, Brian. You right? should have we're called back. <laughs> so the first man that we're going to take a look at, unfortunately, was not the one who committed the crime. But at the time of the case, he was extremely sus. And let me just say that I think everyone was really surprised when they found out that it wasn't him. So again, going back to Scott Peterson, this is the Scott Peterson, how this could be possible. Because this guy, like... When Literally, start- like, everything was laid out perfectly yes. in line. and he fit every single thing. So Ugh. there were four suspects. I'm only going to talk about one because I don't... Eh. We don't have time for the other three. No. And obviously, they didn't matter because they weren't it. So this man, his name was Sung Koo Kim. And he was a 30-year-old man who was living with his parents in Tigard. And he was a graduate of Washington State in 2001. So four years previously, what what did he graduate with? What did he graduate? He actually majored in genetics and cellular biology. Okay, that totally sounds like a man that like could get away with murder. He right? seems like scientifically he could plan it out. Ugh. Exactly. So Kim was actually arrested 10 days before Brooke went missing because he was accused of stalking someone at OSU. Okay, that like totally perfectly fits. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. area where Brooke was. Exactly. The person who he was attempting to stalk was a student at OSU and was known for frequenting the apartments where Brooke was last seen. So I'm pretty sure that these apartments are like right next to the school. Probably like, like a bunch right of college kids live there. Um, so this is like not looking good for him. <laughs> no. So the crazy part is that this actually wasn't him at all, but he had way more coincidental things that made him look super guilty. So not only was he in the area... But when he was arrested, he actually had a picture of this student who was on the swim team. She looked like Brooke, and he had printed out this poor girl's, like, bio on the swim team, like, website. And, like, had it in his person. I don't know if it was in his pocket or his wallet. on him? Yeah, like, a picture of this girl and, like, her, like, printed out. I don't think my own boyfriend's that devoted to me. He doesn't have a picture of me in his wallet. What the heck? This guy? Okay, but (laughs) listen, this guy also had lint. From the dryer at the Oak Creek Apartments. Like, Ew. Like, why? Like, what? <laughs> why? Why you got lint, boy? Like, I don't even understand. Was so, a, It must have been a lot to be, like, noted. Because, like, you know, sometimes you wash your pants, there's a little bit of lint in your how pocket. Did, but how but did they know? like, a big thing of lint. How did they know that it came from there? Was it, like, labeled Oak Creek Apartments lint? Like, I don't understand. Or he put, probably did put it in a baggie. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So I don't know. Stalker purposes, whatever. I'm not a stalker. I don't understand it. So of course, this does not look good for this dude. And the police get a warrant that they need to search his home. And he like lives with his parents. Yes. Oh, yeah. So in his room, um, here's a quote of what they found. Quote, they also found 3,400 pairs of women's panties collected from several different colleges in the state. 40,000 photos of violent pornographic pictures of women being tortured and raped, 4,000 pornographic videos, and according to Jeff Lewowski, the the deputy, wow, the deputy for Washington County District Attorney, while some of the porn images were of children, the vast majority were of women being raped, tortured, and dismembered or killed. He also had a file named osu.doc, which he planned to rape and torture and strangle a girl. Also, let's just point out that homie was on bail when Brooke disappeared. Okay, wait. Yeah. We need to, like, go through that a little bit. First off, he had this all in his parents' house. In his mommy and daddy's house. <laughs> like, settle down. And they boy. had no idea? I don't know. I don't, I honestly, I, I don't I, know. I mean, I, I, I honestly, like, I wouldn't tell my parents. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like, not something well, to share and, with your parents. And honestly, he's a grown man now. Like, it's not like he's, you know, in high school yeah. writing these things. So. He can't, like, I guess they don't have a right to go through his closet. But, like, where do you put 3,000 pairs of girls' underwear? Underwear, yeah. Like, where were you store? What? Where do you put those? 
Ew. So just, just, he had just a lot. So this is and just looking really bad for this guy, which is why this makes no sense. Like, how was it not him? Oh, he also, and he was out on bail. He was out on bail. So he was actually arrested the 10 days previously for stalking of that girl. And then, then they get the warrant really, because Brooke is missing. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we have this guy. This dude is sus. It's probably him. Let's get a warrant. Oh, okay, they get yeah. the warrant. They find, they find out, hey, he was out on bail during the time that Brooke went missing. And he was stalking some girl who looked like Brooke. Which, oh I don't know. I didn't see the picture of who the girl was that he was stalking. So, like, yeah, yeah, it could have just been a blonde white girl. It's not to, to say, say like, they were, like, twins or anything. Not but. a good stalker if it was him and he picked the wrong lady. But yeah. This dude is... <laughs> I what do you even, say? What do you, I don't know what to say to that. Like, he needs to... I hope he went to jail for so okay so here's the thing so he had an alibi and this is the alibi that first of all he had recorded proof of him making a deal on his sister's computer um for some something i don't remember what it was like stocks or something like that then there was also video surveillance of him with his dad at 12 30 at circuit city in tigard now the police didn't really like care for his alibi because they were like well you could have driven down to corvallis and gotten back like, mm-hmm. in that time period, like, whatever. Which, yeah, true. But then again, like, Corvallis is, is like, 80 miles from here. So That's it's not. Okay, and if you also are kidnapping someone, like, what are you going to do with her? Yeah, and you're going to you're, Circuit City with your dad? Yeah, you don't keep her in the back seat. But, again, I mean, I guess you could, but. Yeah, I mean, people have done worse. That's so true. it's possible. But anyways, he was arrested, and he was put on a $10 million bail. That's a lot of money, but honestly, like, if you take out the whole kidnapping part, <laughs> he's all the stuff—he's got a lot going on. I still, I still support a ten million dollar bail. Like, well, this okay, crazy. So this, this was just uh, Washington County that did this. So then, once all the other counties had heard the the other counties he had stalking issues in, well, they started to put charges against him too. So he had three counties. All with like million dollar bails. I'm pretty sure there was Yamhill, Multnomah, and Washington, and Benton, because Benton County is where Corvallis is. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, he's not going anywhere, which, by the way, for all of those things, he ends up being sentenced to 11 years in prison, and he actually got out in 2012 after serving only seven. I just, I just wanna know, like, do people honestly think he's gonna like change? He has detailed plans of how he is gonna rape torture and strangle a girl you think like he's just gonna throw those reform yeah Yeah. i'm gonna throw those those were old that was old me (laughs) i I mean i deleted that i deleted that file on my computer like what well he's been out since 2012 so i don't know that's crazy to me yeah that's insane he's been out for almost 10 years now so i don't know so weird anyway carry on carry on So, as I said before, uh, Kim wasn't the one who actually committed the crime. So, sadly, this case, like, kind of goes stale. Like, I won't say cold because, again, the family never gave up hope. However, a long time passes before they really get anywhere further with the case. Uh, Just a quick question. So, how did they make make sure it wasn't him? Did they do, like, DNA testing or something? Well, they still don't have, like, like, how'd they figure out it wasn't him? I think that the alibi is what checked him they out. They really? They, I think so. They. I mean, it was kind of like, yeah, I guess, because it's it really is like, where's the body? Yeah. If you did do it, that's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So, what happened with the other three suspects? Honestly, I don't know. I don't even remember seeing anything about who the other suspects were, what their names were. I mean, I kind of got distracted by the whole. Sungku Kim story that I really didn't look any further into it. Now, in order to finish the story, whew, there at some point was a break in the case. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Carry on. I mean, it was good, but like, unfortunately, not the type of break that would bring about like current resolution. Like, there was a break in the case, something happened, mm-hmm. but it takes so much time for it to come to fruition. Yeah. So, anyways, November 30th, 2004, same year, different state, another crime takes place. Once again, it involves a young blonde woman. However, this girl lives in New Mexico. Interesting. Okay. So, we're still in the same year. It's six months later. Now, this girl, like I said, is blonde, but she's also a foreign exchange student. 
So she was kidnapped and she was asked to perform oral acts. She was tied up with shoestrings, shoving her own panties into her mouth. And she was attacked by a man who drove a red two-door vehicle. And he's just kind of like driving around erratically. And at one point, he ends up getting out of the car. This girl miraculously escapes, makes a run for it to like the nearest restaurant. So like closest building she can find, she runs into it. Now this mom and her girls, they're in a car when they see this girl who's clearly distraught. And I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure she was like half naked, like run into this building and then quickly return outside. What? Okay. 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 So she's kidnapped by a guy, half naked. He pulls over and gets out of the car for some reason. And that's when she escapes and she's running across the street into a neighborhood. And then these girls, the mom and a few girls see her run across the street. So they pull over into the restaurant, like, or wherever it was. I don't know. Yeah. They, I don't think they pulled over, but apparently everyone inside rejected this poor girl, like refused to help her. So the 17 year old daughter of the mom. So it's like the mom and the daughter, the 17 year old. And then like a couple kids in the back, Mm -hmm. like, it's like, mom, you need to turn around. We need to go help this girl. Yeah. So they pull over. I don't know where they pull over, but they pull over. The girl gets in the car with them and they immediately like call 911. Okay. Everyone in the restaurant, what are you doing? Right. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. What I was like, heck? what do you mean? Like, and she ran into a restaurant half naked, like, obviously, like, ah, like, yeah. Distraught. And they're just like, mm, this potato soup's really good today. You're like, hi, can you go away? I'm eating my food. Yeah, you're really, like, ruining this experience for me. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, oh, my gosh. Thankfully, the girl that was in the car, I mean, she gets in the car with the people. She has, she speaks English, but it's obviously, like, broken English. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if that played a part into why nobody, like, wanted to help her. It doesn't make sense. I'm not, I'm not validating that. I'm just saying. That's weird. So they're in the car. They stay on the phone with the police. And it's in this time that they're waiting for the cops to arrive that the red car is like circling the area because he is looking for her. That was so scary. Which must have been, first of all, terrifying for the victim, but then like terrifying, like, okay, as a mom, like, oh, I'm helping this girl, but I have my own kids in the car. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That is awful. So... Anyways, cops show up. She explains, like, um, what happened and, like, takes the cops to the area of where it took place, like, where Mm -hmm. the kidnapping went down and um, says, like, locals in that area were like, oh, yeah, this is where Joe hangs out. And so they're like, Joe, like, whatever. He just hangs out and picks up ladies. Everyone knows that. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. But, like, history of the background and maybe I could have done more research. But, again, this case was, like, there was a lot of information to process. Yeah, that's fine. They end up finding out that the guy's name is actually Joel. Mm -hmm. Joel Patrick Courtney. And why, you ask, does this man matter to the case involving Brooke? Well, my friends, let me tell you. Well, obviously it matters. This case is called Joel Patrick Courtney. I mean, it does, yeah. It really really gets off the suspense. When JPC was arrested, it was discovered that he was, in fact, not native to New Mexico, but he's actually from the good old Pacific Northwest. And what is the Pacific Northwest known well for? Well, of course, lots of things. There's good things, but there's bad things. Like, you know, being a cesspool breeding ground for sinister crimes. Okay, so, like, if I tell someone I'm from the Pacific Northwest, do you really think they're just going to think I'm a serial killer? No, I feel like they're probably going to think, like, okay, so coffee. Well, yeah. We're known for coffee. Uh, Nike, Adidas, shoes. Yeah, I do like the shoes. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, crime. Like, oh, as a true crime so. enthusiast, if I hear from that someone's from our area, I'm like, oh, yeah, so you get it. Like, you know. That's true. But, you know, if it's just a normal person, I'm like, oh, yeah, the coffee. Like, oh, Nike. Oh, oh, Portland. Yeah, like, one of those things. Anyways. So, Mr. Courtney, who, like another friend of ours, has three first names. Joel, Patrick, Courtney. Weird. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> that bothers me. So he was born in Portland, Oregon, June 2nd of 1966. Now, I am freakishly uncomfortable with the things that this kid, like, that this guy did as a child. But basically, there's about, like, seven to ten instances, and you can read about them if you research, where he tried to sexually assault his own sister and his cousin, which, barf. Mm, Just yeah, barf. that's, no. He was also known for using illicit drugs by the age of 11, which, yikes. That does sound like Portland to me, but <laughs> carry on. And as if hurting his own sister wasn't enough, by the time of age 19, he was actually arrested and convicted of his first crime. Wow. I wonder, like, does it have to do anything with sexual assault? You bet. 
And I quote, at 19, Courtney was convicted of first-degree sex abuse and first-degree attempted rape. Basically, a female friend was driving him home from a party, and he had been drinking, using a lot of drugs, started groping her. Then he punched her in the face, and when she stopped the vehicle and was like, he tried to like force her out of the car and out of her clothes, and somehow this woman was able to convince him that she just wanted to go back to the party, and then she took him home. Like... Dude, that's, like, why you don't do drugs, because obviously you commit crimes. Yeah. Um. So she actually, like, she actually drove him home? Yeah, that's what I don't understand. I would have been, like, get out of my car. Like, yeah. I'm not taking you anywhere. I would have, or if I was driving, I would have just drove my happy butt to, like, the police station. Like, let's go. Oh, yeah, we're going home. Yep, let's go. You want to come at me like that? But anyways, so that's it's weird. 1991. He ends up serving time. And he was meant to only serve, like, a few months for his sentence for this, which he does. But then he had, like, a super long parole. Because, of course, in sexual cases, we know, like, you serve a tiny, tiny prison sentence, and then you have, like, a 500-year probation. So dumb. Yeah. So he ends up um, violating his parole, and he ends up back in prison for an even longer sentence. Eventually, he's released, and he actually ends up meeting his future wife. Him and his wife have three kids together, and they stay in Portland and until they make the move to, like, Albuquerque, like, the metro area of Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. So, fast forward to April of 2004. They move in with his brother-in-law back home in Portland. So, for the record, they're from Portland. They moved to Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. But in April 2004, they moved back to Portland. And he, um, his brother-in-law ends up getting him a job in which he gets a work vehicle. Oh my gosh, is it the green van? It definitely is. I mean, I'm telling you, if you if we were on a game show right now, you would be the biggest winner. Let me tell you. Oh Hold up. Oh. What if? What if there was a crime game show? That would really suck. What? I'd be so bad. Oh my gosh, like with just like details about different crimes. Like I'm not saying like I know that there will never be because then it's like glorifying like the things That's that have true. done, but oh my gosh, I feel like I would be so good at it. I would know. I would, oh, my God. I would be so bad at it. Ugh. I'd be like, what year? I'd be like, I don't know. The crime and what, happened. And what year was Scott Peterson convicted? Okay. I just found that out. 2004. <laughs> you won $1,000. Anyways. But then so, I, I, it's all kind of like judgment. Was he truly in judgment? Anyway. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so he was back home in Portland cruising the streets in a 1997 green Dodge Caravan. You can make mention how I have the same van. It's just a different color. Or we Are you see. actually of the same van? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's sick. I would change my van instantly. <laughs> and you want to put a decal on that? I do. Murder machine. Are you going to say something or are we just going to skip over it? Okay. I don't care, but not, now the new is the murder machine. The murder machine. <laughs> okay. okay. So finally a cop in New Mexico decides... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Now, at this point, no one knows why or how uh, JPC is connected to Brooke, but the pieces of the puzzle are just kind of like waiting to be put together. So, of course, he gets arrested for the rape uh-huh. and the like of the girl. And then finally, a cop in New Mexico decides like he needs some background info on this Courtney dude. So he calls up the Oregon police to find out the dates. And that's when he finds out that he's already served time in his home state for sexual assault. And now he's facing it again in New Mexico. So for clarity, he's originally from Portland. He was in Portland working at the time of the disappearance of Brooke. However, it's later learned that his family left and went back to New Mexico. And then like two weeks after that, he went back to Mexico. So it makes him a huge... Get the signs. Yeah, no, it makes him like a huge suspect in the area of the time of the crime as well as being able to commit this other crime. Okay, so I'm actually so impressed with the police work right now because I just feel like most cases, they'd just be like, eh, I lived in Portland. Eh, cool. He had a sexual assault. Oh, yeah. But now he's in New Mexico. Let's book him in. That's it. You know what I mean? Usually they're just like, okay, cool, whatever. Good so, deal. okay. First of all, I want to say that I also think it's interesting that these guys are even talking because from... True. Cases that we've covered before and what we kind of just know, police obviously they they don't like to work with each other. 
which I understand why. A lot of the times it's because they don't want to release details of something that they're trying to cover. And like, I get it. But a lot of times they don't play nice and they don't talk to each other. But in this case, there was actually more information as to why they figured it out. So when they called to get information about this guy, Mm -hmm. um, they found out that he actually missed a court appearance in Newport, Oregon Uh for a DUI. And this missed court appearance was on May 24th, 2004. Interesting. Wait, so where did he live in Portland? Like in Oregon? He lived in like He lived in Portland. And apparently he made a call Uh to the court and Uh said, hey, I'm in Corvallis. (laughs) Oh. I'm not going to make it today. Which, idiot. Idiot, idiot, idiot. He should have said he was, like, on the other side of the country. I mean, I have no idea why. But he literally, like, was like, hey, I'm in Corvallis. I'm not going to make it to my court appearance. I'm I'm working in Corvallis. Hey, I'm in Corvallis on May, whatever, 24th in 2004. (laughs) And, like, I'm with this girl, Brooke, and I'm actually kidnapping her right now. So So, I'm not going to make it. But if you, like, find out in a few years I was here, yeah, I'm the one that did it. Yeah, so he totally incriminated himself. But, of course, like, they they aren't able to, like, piece all of this together, like, right away. Like, it kind of takes some time. So – as we know, Brooke went missing May 24th, 2004. I'm surprised, too, because didn't this case go cold? I'm surprised they didn't just, like, eh, Brooke's missing, lock, put it, close the book in. No. Or it, was it still actively open? It was open? active. They just stopped the, like, search. The investigation never ended, but they okay. stopped the, like, search parties and those kind of things. So I'm really surprised that, yeah, they. I, I honestly am so surprised they connected these two. Right? Because I could even see them, like, oh, he was in Corvallis. Huh, Cool. But not, like, you know what I mean? I feel like if it had to be, like, Brooke's case is right here, this guy's case is right here, they must have, like, you know? Like, I'm so surprised. I'm honestly surprised, too, but I think it was one of those things, like, they call to get information, they get some information, and then that guy here in Portland is like, hey, you should probably talk to the Benton County people because they're going to want to know what's going on right now. So Mm -hmm. I guess because it was such a high-profile case, like, they were all talking, Mm -hmm. and they were like, maybe there's a connection here. So, so whoever thought of the connection, props to you. Because you know it was job. one guy in the back of his head that was like, there's a girl that went missing in Corvallis. He was in Corvallis. He kidnaps girls. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. You know there had to be like just one person in the back of the room that was like, hey, police chief, <laughs> is there a connection here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So props to him because, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly surprised after – what is this? T- this was like – This was in 2004 – but this is later so, on. This is like... Okay, so we know Brooke goes missing in 2004. Uh-huh. The girl is assaulted in November of 2004. I know that he was arrested, like, immediately. Like, within 2004, oh. he was arrested. Uh-huh. However, I don't know how long... This is what doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how long it took for them to get to the sentencing because he had all of his issues in New Mexico yeah. before they even touched the Oregon stuff. So, it wasn't until... Um, 2007, 14 months later that they even charge him with the disappearance of Brooke. So the frustrating part is that they knew the van was key that they needed. However, police and officials wouldn't give any information about what was found in the van other than, hey, it contained evidence. Like, that's all they said. So the whole thing kind of seems like a mess to me. Like, I don't understand why it had to take so long for them to make connection, but that seems like a really, really long time. 2004 to 2007, like, that's a long time. Okay, now I understand more that's going on. So they made the connection. They knew, like, I didn't realize he committed the crime, like, around the same time. Yeah. I thought he committed the crime, like, five years later. And that's no, how they connected it's it. all, they, the November, it happened in in May and November. So he immediately gets arrested for what happens in November. Like, then, they're like, able to catch him quick. Later, six months later. Him. Yeah. But they don't make the connection to Brooke until later on. So he's already arrested, and he's already, like, in the process of like sentencing for what he did, because this is this again will be his second offense, so he's uh-huh. gonna serve a longer time. So he's in New Mexico, and um, do the police instantly call Portland and say, Hey, we have this guy that committed a yes. crime, what's the background? Yes, because and then did someone in Portland like jot down his background thing and they're like, Oh, look into this, and then five years later they realize the connection? So that's why I don't understand so why didn't they instantly. I don't know. We don't know why. We don't know what happened in we between. We just know they called Oregon to do a background check on him. Mm-hmm. When they called to do the background check, they find out a he's already had served a sentence for sexual assault and rape. So he, this is a second 
strike two for mm-hmm. him. And when they're doing that, that's where they, they're like, okay, well, we had him. He was scheduled to be here for this DUI, and he never showed up. And so that's where all – because Brooke was such a high-profile case – they have all these cops who are looking at this time period mm-hmm. and this guy just happens to miss his court appearance and says, hey, I'm in Corvallis. So I like they had all the puzzle pieces and it seems to me, it seems like they had everything and they were just kind of storing everything before they actually like laid the whole thing out. So that's where I think it's frustrating. Maybe they just it took, took so much time. They took their time to like really confirm. They must have like went through every other like – possibility you know yeah. what I mean because I guess they are looking through Kim I guess like technically it's around the same time that Kim yeah. is the number one suspect yeah so I guess they had to take time to go through all of Kim's thing and like did he really make it yeah out of this did he really not commit this because that one he literally like yeah had everything in a different like universe you know what I mean he did yeah. it like it exactly. had to be so in a different you know what I mean so but okay I, I, get, I get what we're saying now yeah. I get what we're saying now. and so for clarity um, because of the sentence sentencing that he was facing in New Mexico, all of that had to be done and processed before they would even extradite him to Oregon to start his legal process here with Brooks murder. So that's another reason why it took so long. So that's why 2004 is when it happened. Finally, in 2007, he is charged with Brooks murder. He fully admitted to what he had done. And it seems as though he had some sort of like planted attack. So he made mention to noticing Brooke that morning. Like, he's just driving around, like, trolling. I don't know. And he wasn't specifically going after Brooke. And actually, he tried with two other students beforehand, mm-hmm. like, in Research Stadium parking lot. He, like, tried to, like, approach two other girls, and they were like, ew, gross. Like, get yeah. away from me. So they totally blew him off. And that's when he loops back, and he remembers, hey, Brooke is just in this parking lot, like, by herself, cleaning things to which he comes out and he pretended that he was a delivery man. And he even like had a package and everything. He then forced her into the van at knife point, gagged and bound her and drove around town all on drugs. He goes out into the woods and then he decides, Hey, I'm hungry. So he comes back into town with Brooke still in the van. After he gets food, he drives back out into the woods where they stay the night. And then the next morning, that's when he assaults her. And it said, this is a quote from him. He said he was surprised at how hard she fought back. And that's when he decided to kill her. Not because he had planned it, but because she had fought back. Like he was angry that she was fighting back. So he was like, eh, I'm just going to kill her. And he ends up using like a log or something like a piece of wood. Okay. I'm actually so surprised that... He just, like, nonchalantly did all this. Exactly. That's really weird. And I I know, like, this is still such a huge problem at OSU. Mm, yeah. People, like, girls getting kidnapped and stuff. People just pulling over and trying to talk to people. Yeah. So, anyone out there, if someone randomly pulls over and you do not know them, you're supposed to run in the other direction. Run in the other direction. Get Good somebody tip. on the phone. Like, if you're by yourself, like, call somebody on the cell phone so you at least have, like, this is where Facebook I'm at live. right now. Facebook I've heard Live. Facebook yeah. Live is really going, too. Yeah, like, do things so that you can protect yourself. Because, again, if you are 5'4 and you only weigh 100 pounds, like. Yeah. I'm also, again, this is in a parking lot of a apartment complex. Yeah. Where were the rest of the people living <laughs> no in the apartment? One no one this. saw anything. No one said it. I don't know if no one saw anything, but no one said anything. Like That's no crazy. one came well, forward. Well, except Brian. Yeah. Well, Again, Brian, Brian. Why didn't you call back? Brian. Yeah, <laughs> who didn't call back. So That's, I'm surprised. And, oh my god. So he's out in the woods. He killed her out in the woods. Yes. Did he ever say what the original plan was? He's just gonna like drop her back off at the apartment. See, I don't know. Because I don't understand how people do that. So technically, this would be his second known offense, and then the thing that happened in November would have been his third. Okay. So, but we don't know. Did he, has he done this beforehand? So at one point in New Mexico, police are like, he was a heavy suspect for like a serial rapist. Like they had a bunch of cases and they were thinking that maybe he was possibly part of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't look into it. So I don't know what became of it. If he had other cases, because this is more like I was focusing it on this crime. Yeah. But originally he was not willing to work with anyone. Like he accepted no deals and he was going up for trial in 2010. So again, this is six years later. Mm -hmm. So he admitted to killing Brooke, but that was it. 
he Did was he like, tell her like tell them where the body was and everything? No. See, that's the thing that oh, sucks. So jerk. he in 2007, that's when he's finally like, okay, they connect the dots. He admits to the murder, but that's it. He's like, nope, I'll tell you. Like, yes, I did it, but that's it. Wasn't willing to do anything. That's so the dumb. family had some sort of like, okay, this is what happened. Uh-huh. And they, um, I don't know, they were kind of like working with the district attorneys and saying like, we're fine with him taking a plea deal. We just want to know where Brooke's at. Yeah. Like, they were totally, like, he's going to end up serving his time anyways. Like, he has his life. We have ours. We want to be able to move on from this. So we need to know, like, where she's at. Yeah. So in 2010, um, before his set trial, he actually did accept a deal where he said he would share the location of the body of Brooke if he was able to avoid the death penalty. And like I said, Brooke's family was actually openly grateful. Like there's tons of, I think they did like a press conference and we were, they were like, we're really grateful for Mr. Courtney and his decision. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's weird to me. Cause I, I'm not in that situation. I don't know, but it's weird for me to be like, you're, you're grateful for that. Like you're really going to go on the record and say like, you're okay with it. And who knows, maybe because of their faith, they were like, maybe they were at peace with it. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I've already stated, like, I don't even know if I'd want closure at that point. I'd be like, yeah, just go die. <laughs> Leave me alone. I never so, want to talk about this again. Interestingly, because this was such a high profile case, the legal proceedings were not public at all, which I thought was interesting because usually when you have such a high profile case, like they stream, they that. stream everything. Um, but it was not public at all. And it was also noted that he didn't even speak at his trial whatsoever. Like hmm. his people spoke for him. That was it. He was just kind of in there. Um, after his trial, he was then taken back into custody to return to New Mexico to serve the rest of his 18 year sentence in New Mexico, which he's still there right now. And then afterwards he'll come back to Oregon basically until he dies. So he got life. Yeah. Life without the possibility of parole. So, uh, district attorney, John Haroldson said the plea deal puts an end to the Joel Courtney criminal career. He will never be able to do this again to another person kind of thing. So, and then again, we don't know if he was convicted of other No, in New Mexico, sure. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But he he got an 18-year sentence, and he's serving that. So, so, where's the body? Well, just as you had said in a previous case, um, it was off a road in the Woodlands area of the coast. Um, it took them like a week to fully recover her body. And when it was uncovered, um, the... The official said, like, it was he – I don't want to say he did a good job, but, like, you could definitely – He hit it well. He hit it well. Like, okay. There, there was – if he hadn't said anything, no one would have found her kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. So that's scary. I was about to say, that shows that – did he do anything else? That's yeah. That's so that's hidden so well scary. that we cannot uncover it. Like, that's – Sketch. Freaky. Yeah. Hmm. Also, this is just on a total side note, but just to give you, like, a picture of, like, who this guy is. So, it seemed like Mr. Courtney was pretty much an angry man. So, it said in the year 2008, when he was convicted, in July, okay, and I quote, in July, Courtney threw a fax machine at a psychiatrist in the Benton County Jail, which led to further assault charges, and it also made it to where Courtney must wear a stun belt. In court. So. No wonder he didn't speak. Yeah. He, they probably told him not to speak. You're not allowed yeah. to say anything. You are Don't not allowed to say or, or we will tase you that's in the middle crazy. of court. So just to give you like a portrait uh, of, yeah. I like, this did, is, though. That'd be yeah, interesting. This is the type of guy that this guy is. So currently he is still in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Like as of today, still serving time in New Mexico. I don't know when he'll come to Oregon. I don't know if he gets, like, the quote-unquote good behavior and he'll get to, like, not serve as much time in New Mexico, like, and then come here. I don't know. At that point, it's, like, who knows? They might even just keep him in New Mexico. I know. It's, like, what's what's really the point? I mean, I guess taxpayers' money in New Mexico, they don't want this way because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting, though. So, yeah. Hmm. And that is the case, cases of Joel Patrick Courtney. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm still like just – I'd also like to note the fact that he did – he even drove to the coast to go dump her body. No, he did. Like, yeah, that's, I, what, I, that's what I'm saying. He did. He could have he oh, made his – he could have made his DUI case. Yeah, <laughs> like you totally to set yourself up, but then did he 
I'm sorry, did he already have her in the vehicle and that's why he didn't want to? Because he did keep her for a day. that's true. And that day, like, he would have disposed of her, like, he would have murdered her the next day and disposed of her body on the 25th. So Uh he would have, he would have already had her. You know, actually, Joel, hot tip, uh, if you just didn't kidnap her, he would have made your DUI. Yeah, exactly. How about you just not be a criminal and you just show up to what you need to show up to? You didn't do it. And then if you didn't kidnap the other girl, you would not have been in jail for yeah. Anything. Which, by the way, this guy has three kids and a wife. Dude, that, like, creeps me three out. Like, kids. People literally live double lives. No, it they do. insane. Israel Keys. I would love to do his case. We, we will. No, it. we will cover his case. And he technically counts as Pacific Northwest because it's Alaska. Dude, Alaska itself is wild. Yeah. I don't want to go to Alaska anytime soon. Yeah, me either. I feel like there's more dead bodies in Alaska than live bodies. I think that is a true fact. That sounds like it is a fact. <laughs> I don't so, know if it is, but it, it is sounds in like my it. book. That's yeah. a fact. But anyway, yeah, thanks for listening to this crazy case. Yeah. We love hanging out with you, and we there is so much more to come. And also, yeah, we do have, like, a lot planned out, but you should suggest cases to oh, us. Oh, yeah. We haven't Please. gotten anybody who said that. Give us a suggestion. Actually, we totally have. What are you talking about? No. Okay. We've personally gotten them, but I mean, like, go onto our website. Like, even if you personally know us, just go onto the website, submit it through the website so we can feel special for a second. Okay? Thank you. Please. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. I guess we'll catch you next week. Blue is... No. Don't disrespect blue like that. That was face. All right. I have nothing said.